Does your metabolism suck? Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Do you want off the diet roller coaster? Do you wish there was a simple solution to get you healthier, smaller, and have more energy? Hi friends, I'm Jolene, a nutritional therapy practitioner, a wife, a furry gardener, and non-bendy yogi. Like you, I spent years chasing skinny instead of health, until I finally learned there was more to getting healthy and smaller than just eating less and moving more. Welcome to Holistic Health Made Simple Podcast, where I share all the tips, tricks, and science to set you free from the overwhelm of diet culture and the frustration with the ever-changing health rules. I go beyond the calorie and diet dogma to equip you to be healthy through simple changes to real food, mindset, and lifestyle. Are you ready to learn how to tailor your journey to you and your current health for solutions that are broken down into simple steps to make it easier to implement? Results that are undeniable, like more energy, improved mood, better sleep, and fat loss? This is the podcast for you. Pop in those headphones, take a deep breath, and let's get healthy. Hey, hey, guys. Metabolic health. When I say that, what do you think? Do you even know what it means? I'm pretty sure you heard it, especially if you've been Paying attention in the health and wellness space for the past few years, everybody's screaming the importance of being metabolically healthy. But do you actually know what that means? Did you take the time to dive in and figure out what you should be looking at to see if you're on the path to being metabolically healthy? Or do you have any clue what to look at? And that's what I'm going to kind of point out today is we're going to go through the markers that we should be looking at. And we can actually look at these ourselves and see that we're on the right path to getting metabolically healthy. For years, we keep being told that your weight equals your health. When in reality, your weight is a small factor in your health. You can't tell from the outside what's going on on the inside. And our health truly is based on what's going on on the inside, not the outside. So while we're always chasing numbers of thinness, you may be missing the mark on getting healthy. You know, there's a lot of thin people that are not metabolically healthy. So what are these markers and what are you supposed to be paying attention to so that you could figure out a path to getting metabolically healthy? Because when you're metabolically healthy, your immune system's working stronger and it helps you get through cold and flu season. That's just one bonus, but it also keeps you on the up and up of being healthy long-term fighting off chronic diseases, and that's important. So what are these markers? Let's dive in. You're not going to be totally surprised when I start going through these markers, but the very, very, very first marker we're going to look at is blood glucose. You need to have stable blood glucose or stable blood sugar, however you like to call it, with absolutely no medication. Your glucose numbers need to be in the right zone without rapid, rapid spikes and super high spikes and rapid, rapid drops and very low drops. Like if you get very low blood sugar and very high blood sugar, they're both as bad because that's a sign that you have a problem with insulin. You're, the reason why we're going to get into the next marker, but you want to have stable glucose and stable blood sugar levels. Now, some spikes here and there are okay. We just don't want to have these rapid spikes or these long-lasting spikes where our insulin isn't pulling it back in um, quickly enough. We want to make sure that we're controlled and we're eating foods that give us stable energy, stable glucose, so that we can get healthy in that area. And the reason why would be our marker number two, which is stable blood pressure. That's with no medication. We want stable blood pressure in the optimum range 
on no medicine. You see, our blood pressure is controlled by our kidneys. The kidneys are affected most by glucose and insulin because they tell your kidneys to release salt um, or retain salt, and we wanna make sure that our kidneys are functioning properly. Your kidneys are constantly striving for this balance of sodium to potassium. If the kidneys need to retain sodium, it will excrete potassium, which will lead to an increase of blood volume. An increase in blood volume increases your blood pressure. The kidneys also regulate the blood pressure by regulating the amount of water that's excreted during, um, due to urine. Insulin, high insulin, high blood sugars make you excrete a lot of urine, which then affects your blood pressure. So when the blood pressure is low, the kidneys then start conserving water, which leads again to um, an increased blood volume and then an increased blood pressure. They're very intertwined. Your, your glucose and your blood pressure are very intertwined. So we wanna get them both stable without any medication. We wanna balance our sodium to potassium. You don't need to fear sodium, but when you move to a whole foods diet, you might need to add more sodium actually in because you're not getting it. Processed foods, when they say that we eat so much sodium, it's because processed foods have a lot of hidden sodium in it. A lot of the preservatives are sodium-based, so it raises the sodium levels in those foods. So when we start moving away from processed foods and into whole foods, you have to start paying attention, making sure you're getting in enough salt. And when I say salt or sodium, I'm talking about a good clean salt source, not table salt that's full of additives. Try a good Himalayan salt, which has also other minerals, um, a sea salt, Redmond's real salt, all of that. Redmond's real salt actually comes from a Dead Sea. So a lot of those have other minerals as well, but it'll help boost your sodium intake and find the right balance for you. And each one of us will be different. There is no standard needed amount per person. Like it's a general rule, but some people need a lot of sodium and some people need a little to get their blood pressure maintaining just right. So don't think that if you have an excessive amount of salt, all of a sudden your blood pressure is just going to spike because of it. That's not always how it works, especially if you're trying to maintain a proper amount of hydration. So the third marker is cholesterol. More specifically on the cholesterol, we want to look at triglycerides and HDL. We want low triglycerides and high HDL, but what we're also looking at is the ratio between the two. So a little backlog on what cholesterol is. Your HDL is a high-density lipid protein. What it does is it shuttles cholesterol out of the cells. Then you have LDL, which is a low-density lipid protein, and that's job, it's a protein that shuttles the cholesterol into the cells. So why we want higher HDL than most people have is because we wanna make sure we're getting enough of the cholesterol out of the cells. Um, rather than just getting it shuttled in. So there's a, a lot of ratios that, that doctors look at, and they're more and more, like the last time I went to my doctor a few years ago, she was specifically only looking at triglyceride to HDL. Now, we want to focus on the HDL to triglyceride ratio, and how do you figure that out? This is something you can take from your blood test from your doctor. Your doctor's running your lipid panel anyway, so you're going to get a triglyceride, you're going to get an HDL, you're going to get an LDL, and you're going to get a total, and you're going to get a total with something non- You need to just specifically focus on your 
triglyceride and your HDL first. First and foremost, before you freak out that your cholesterol is too high, you're going to look at those two numbers. You're going to take your triglycerides and divide it by your HDL. What you're looking for specifically is a number that's two or less. According to mainstream doctors and what they're looking for, that's what they're looking for. So if it's two to let two or less and your LDL might be a little high, they probably won't even bring up a statin at all because your triglycerides are low enough to your HDL to be out of that risk of a cardiovascular event. Um, because LDL alone is not a good predictor of a cardiovascular event. We can go into that on another day. Talk to your physician, do your own research as well. Don't just take my word, but this is what we look at. And from a functional standpoint, when you take that triglyceride and you divide it by your HDL, functionally, what I like to see is one or less. That takes some work to get there, but your triglycerides are primarily made from carbohydrates. So we start reducing some of the simple carbohydrates to get those triglyceride levels down and increasing exercise at the same time. Both of those will work hand in hand to get those numbers a little bit better. But so again, just to recap the cholesterol point of it, you want low triglycerides and high HDL and comparatively you want to make sure that your triglycerides is no more than two times your HDL. The next point is where it gets tricky because it is called a healthy body weight, because I don't know what else to call it. But it's more importantly, it's where maybe some of your excess weight might live versus just having some excess weight. Like I said at the beginning, you don't want to be morbidly obese. That is not what we're talking about. But if you have an extra 20, 30 pounds, maybe even up to 50 pounds, and it's positioned in different areas that are not dangerous, it's not as bad for you as if they're in the danger zones. So what I mean is, is we want to look at your waist circumference. You want to make sure that your waist circumference is no more than half your height in inches. Or 35 inches for a woman or 45 inches for a man. Whichever's smaller. And I always say whichever's smaller because some will say, oh, a woman no more than 35 and a man 44. But then when we look at our, our height to waist ratio, someone like me who's 5'2", 35 inches is actually too big for my waist. It needs to be lower than that. So we, you know, at 5'2", that's 62 inches. It needs to be 31 or less if, I, if it's half my height. So we want to look at your height and um, make sure that you're picking the smaller of the two, not the bigger of the two, because that means that you're not carrying a lot of weight in your midsection. This is probably one of the simplest and most reliable weight to assess abdominal fat accumulation. Now let's get into a little bit about abdominal fat because that is also a metabolic marker that we want to look at. That's why we're looking at your waist circumference because your abdominal fat is also known as your visceral fat. What visceral fat does is it surrounds all your internal organs and is more metabolically active than subcutaneous fat, which is like usually the fat around your butt. So we wanted to, we want to make sure that we don't have as much visceral fat because that's associated with insulin resistance, high blood sugar levels, high blood pressure, and abnormal cholesterol levels. And those are all components of metabolic syndrome or being metabolically unhealthy. Touching on metabolic syndrome really quickly, it's a cluster of conditions that increase the risk of developing type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and other health problems that we don't want. So let's work on getting that height to weight ratio back because research has shown 
that the height to waist ratio is associated with an increase of metabolic problems. That's one of the things that we can all do ourselves. We can measure how tall we are and we can measure our waist. It's a very simple, free way of checking how healthy you're getting. The height to weight ratio comes in particularly useful with someone who has a normal BMI because there are people out there with a normal BMI where all their weight is in their belly. They don't have a lot of muscle tone, but they have a really big belly. Think of a, a man with a bare belly or a woman who carries all their weight in their midsection. That's a skinny, sick person. That, that's a person that still has metabolic issues. So it's important to include this waist circumference measurement along with some of these other metabolic markers when we're looking at our overall health and our risk of chronic disease because that's what we're doing is we're looking at metabolic health from the lens of how can I prevent a chronic disease or how can I improve or put in remission some chronic disease and that's by getting metabolically healthy. So what exactly can you do to improve your metabolic health? I know, I know, you're all waiting for it because every time I give tips at the end of what you can do, they're almost all the same. You see how getting healthy is kind of simple. Sometimes you just need a guide to help you eat the right foods, but overall, the steps are pretty simple. Exercise regularly. Hmm. Exercise will improve your insulin sensitivity. It'll reduce inflammation and it promotes a healthy body weight. You know, even those of us who don't love exercise know we need exercise for the health benefits. It is not going to make you skinny. And if you only have 30 minutes three times a week, look into a HIT workout, a HIT style workout where you're, even if you're only using body weight, it's moderate intensity, but it gets your heart rate up as well as building muscle. Because like I've said in previous episodes, we want to make sure we're maximizing our exercise efforts, especially if we're not gym rats, to be building that muscle. The next thing to do would be eat a balanced diet that is anti-inflammatory. And that's tricky because each one of us might have different triggers of what's inflammatory for us, but we want to generally look at foods that are known to be anti-inflammatory and cut those out, or I mean inflammatory, and cut the inflammatory foods out off the bat and then add them in slowly to see how you react to them. We also want to gear our diet to being um, controlling our glucose. We don't want heavy spikes. Blunt the spikes. Go back to the glucose spike episode. Learn how to blunt those glucose spikes. Um, we want to promote healthy glucose and insulin control. Oh wait, here's another one. Get enough sleep. Good quality sleep. Chronic sleep deprivation deprivation has been linked to not only insulin resistance, but it's been linked to weight gain and other metabolic problems. So again, here's sleep. Aim to get good quality sleep. Oh wait, here's another one. Manage stress. I know I sound like a broken record when I go through my tips, but managing stress. Chronic stress again leads to elevated cortisol levels, which lead to metabolic problems heart disease, blood pressure issues, glucose issues. So we want to make sure we are managing our stress. If you smoke, quit smoking. Smoking's been linked to not only insulin resistance, but type two diabetes, as well as some other metabolic issues. So again, smoking, getting rid of it, it's difficult, it's hard, I get it. If you do have an addiction, either find someone who can help you break that addiction, um, Getting in enough amino acids helps with addiction. 
when you're trying to break it like yourself, like if you quit smoking, try to up your protein and up your amino acids, that helps the brain deal with the loss of the addiction. Don't worry about weight loss at that point. Just make sure you're getting in a well-rounded meal. Well, the next tip's a little bit of a no-brainer as well. It's limit alcohol consumption. We know that if we overindulge in alcohol regularly, it leads to high blood pressure. It can lead to metabolic problems, insulin resistance, and excess weight. Let's be honest. That's where the term the beer belly came from. We don't want fat depositing in our midsection, so we want to limit our alcohol consumption. Um, One drink per day, maybe once or twice a week, limit it to special occasions, people. We don't need to be drinking every day, especially if you're on a weight loss journey. It can stall you out. It is not beneficial. So leave the alcohol for special occasions, the weekend, maybe a night out. You're an adult. You do what you think is best for you. No judgment. You just need to know where it can lead when it comes to metabolic health, especially if you've been battling colds over and over again. Get that alcohol out of you for a while. Let your body heal. Let your immune system build back up because, again, alcohol is not really great for the gut. So that's another factor in the immune system. And then lastly, of course, maintain a healthy weight. You know, we can only do what we can do, but excess body weight, especially around the midsection, is a major risk for metabolic problems, especially around the midsection. And people, you cannot just go do tons and tons of sit-ups and crunches and ab work and think that that's going to get rid of your problem. Body weight is distributed in certain ways depending on why you're gaining it. So it's time to look at the whole picture, start eating healthy, moving more, and then the fat will come off everywhere, including the midsection. But if you're Gaining it mostly in your midsection is because there's metabolic issues and you need to address those. So to sum it all up, my tips are pretty much the same. Eat a healthy diet, move your body, get some sleep, manage your stress, and do your best to get to a healthy weight. And a healthy weight isn't necessarily what the doctor tells you it is, what your high school weight is. It's a healthy weight for you. It's a weight you can maintain. It's a weight where you're not having bad metabolic numbers like we talked about, your blood pressure's under control, your glucose is under control, your lipid panel's under control. Those are the things we want to look at. And if you're at a normal-ish weight, even if you have a little extra, if it's not in your midsection, you're okay. Yes, you can strive for your high school weight, but don't kill yourself to do it. Live your life, enjoy your life, but get metabolically healthy. It will save your life. On that note, friends, I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the episode and it provided value that you can take into your own health journey. I would be incredibly grateful if you could help spread the word. Share the podcast with others that will find the information as helpful as you did. It's through your support that I continue to grow and bring you more amazing content. If you have a spare moment, I would truly appreciate it if you could leave a review. Your feedback means the world to me and it also helps others discover my show. I read every review and take your suggestions to heart, so please don't hesitate to let me know what you think. Remember, you can stay connected with me by following me on Instagram or visiting the website at holistichealthmadesimple.com. I love hearing from our listeners, so feel free to reach out and share your thoughts, ideas, and even suggestions for future episodes. Once again, thank you for being part of my community. Together, let's keep spreading the knowledge, inspiration, and great conversations. Until next time, have a blessed day.